This is the Gate Charlotte Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Okay, you guys ready? Lord, I thank you for this house. I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Thank you for the angelic activity that's in this room even now. Thank you, Father, for hearts that are tender, open, teachable, pliable, surrendered to you. And may that be said of each one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So today, I want to share with you some reasons why God chose you. You're chosen. God Almighty chose you. He chose you because he loves you. He wants you. He wants to give you something. He wants to show you something. He wants to make you something. I had one of my friends tell me, he said, Brian, I know God chose you before you were born because he never would have afterwards. (laughs) The Bible clearly states that before anything you see was ever made, God chose you. He set his heart on you. He said, I want you, you will be mine. The fact that you're sitting here in church on a Sunday is to me proof that God has selected you, that you're special in his eyes. So I'm going to just encourage you till you tell me to stop. I've never met anybody too encouraged. We pastored 18 years. We were tribal missionaries. I was a linguist, church planter. I've never yet met one Christian that was too encouraged. And I believe God really wants to fill you with something today. And we're going to see his beautiful works in our midst before sundown tonight. I do have to let you out before Bill comes to speak at six. If you have a Bible, go to Ephesians chapter one or turn to the scriptures, open your Bible app, however you can access it. But the book of Ephesians, one of the first books I memorized, it's a book that I love. I've had the privilege of translating it now into the Passion Translation. And I just want to focus on a couple of verses. Verse 17, I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the Spirit of Wisdom and the spirit of revelation, so that you would know him better through your deepening intimacy with him. Verse 18, I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us, his holy ones. That's amazing that God would choose me, that he would choose you. Well, I can see why he would choose you. You're kind of, you're cool. But uh, that God chose me, that moves my soul. And it says that, Paul is praying an apostolic prayer. There's about 40 of them in the New Testament. There are about 40 prayers 
of the apostles in the New Testament. It would be really good for you to make a study of those prayers. One of them is here in Ephesians 1. And Paul is praying not for people to be healed. He's not praying for a, a revival necessarily. But he's praying that on an individual level, eyes would be flooded with light. God wants your eyes to be flooded with revelation light inside of you. Your innermost being has eyes. You have eyes in your spirit. Of course, it's a metaphor. It's, it's, it's a reality to get us deeper into the spirit realm. But God wants your eyes to be flooded with light. The imagination has eyes. You know, I'm convinced that God is going to sanctify that word imagination in these last days. And creative artists and, and screenwriters and, and composers and uh, arts on every, in every aspect are going to be flooded with revelation light from God. And God's going to anoint different people out of nowhere and give them such revelation of how to unlock the hearts of men and women through drama. I can't wait to do on Broadway a production that, and I'm not kidding, on the Song of Songs. We're going to call it The Kiss. I, I'm convinced that it's meant to be a musical. You know, that God wants the hearts of men and women to be broken open with a kiss. A cry for a kiss. And this goat-keeping girl that smells like goat stuff, that she... <laughs> She's generic. There's nothing special about her. And yet the king is drawn to her and, and he comes when she cries for a kiss. What a way to start a, a, a Broadway show. The curtain opens and, and bam, let him kiss me. I mean, can we slow dance first? Can we like get to know each other, have coffee or something? What an amazing journey we have in the song of all songs, the greatest song of the ages. Who got the song of songs? I handed out two or three of them. Did somebody get a free copy of that? Just curious. Yeah, okay. Have it read by tomorrow morning, would you please? God's really going to speak to you through that. But this imagination eyes must be flooded with light. In, in Genesis, it says the imagination of men's hearts were evil continually. And the flood came. What if in the last days the imaginations of our hearts were always good, always pure, always virtuous, always lovely, good report, excellent in every way? What if our imagination that we looked at people and we saw what God's going to make of them 20 years from now? I mean, I look at a man like Trevor and I see a champion, a world changer, somebody that's, that's going to lead thousands of people to Jesus. You say, well, where did you get that? Well, I got it in the spirit. Well, how did that come? Because my eyes were opened and I saw it. And this couple here, the same thing. I see such a heavenly calling on the two of you. And, and there's kids coming and there's, there's all kinds of stuff coming your way that's going to bless parents in Jesus' name. Miracles are going to happen to you. Yeah. <laughs> and if your eyes get flooded with light, what is the first thing God wants you to see? Why he chose you. The hope of his calling. His calling. Not your calling. His calling. Who will interpret God's dream? 
We have dream interpretation classes to interpret your dreams. Who will interpret God's dream? We need a class to interpret God's dream. When he made you, there was a dream in his heart. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose so distinct, so powerful, that you, you really aren't going to wiggle your way out of it. And your sin isn't going to knock you out of it because he's going to knock the sin out of you. And there's nothing that's going to hinder what God has planned for your life. I mean, I walk in a bubble <laughs> of the favor, glory, blood of Jesus Christ all around me. And so do you. And I'm really stretching my heart over these last days, weeks, and months to begin to imagine and out of that realm to pray. And I believe God wants to sanctify your imagination. It's in the Bible, folks. God has one. In the beginning, God spoke and said, let there be light, right? Well, the, the Hebrew word is not the normal word for spoke or to say. It's not the typical Hebrew word. It's a unique word that can be translated imagined light. God imagined light. He imagined this world. He imagined you. And you're in, made in his image or his imagination. His imagination moved to make you. Is that okay here in a Wesleyan church to talk this way? And there's a dream in his heart for your life. We, we talk about the value of every human life. You have no clue. Your value is, is intrinsically attached to the value of the blood of Jesus. How God values that blood is, how, is the same measure that he values you. Let me help you with this. Jesus bled to death for you. He gave his blood for you, his life. He loves you more than his blood. Because he gave it so that you would be his. He'd rather go to hell for you than live in heaven without you. You are the chosen delight of his heart. You're the rose he's chosen for himself. The lily, though surrounded now by thorns, you will be the pure and beautiful chosen bride at his side forever. And he's deposited such rich treasures in you. It's interesting, the Greek text of Ephesians 1 verses 3 uh, to verse, uh, what is it, verse 12, is one long Greek sentence. It's all one sentence. Dude, nobody talks that way. You, you're forced to, to break this thing up and, and to take it morsel by morsel. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing. Everybody say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. With every spiritual blessing. I have everything heaven can give me. The truth is, if God were to give you any more, it would threaten the Trinity. You have been so blessed. And that's the first verse of that sentence that lasts for 10, 11 verses. That's verse 1. And then verse 4 says that you've been chosen. You've been chosen. That is the Greek word eklegomai. And in the middle of that, ek is out from. It's a prefix, Greek prefix, out of, out from. But in the middle of that word is logos, a form of the word logos. Anybody 
ever hear of that word? Logos. That's word. You have been chosen to be a word from his mouth. Sent into this world and you will not return to him void. You will accomplish everything he's chosen and designed for you to accomplish. Because you're a word, a logos from his mouth. How does that make you feel? And Ephesians 2 verse 10, I love this verse. Many translations have that we are his workmanship, we are his craftsmanship. One gets really close and says we are his masterpiece. Isn't that beautiful? But the Greek is the word poema. Not hard to see what that sounds like. We are the poetry of God. You are divine poetry. The lyrics of love on two legs, written divinely by God Almighty, releasing a message to this planet. There's something about you, who he made you to be, where he caused you to be born, the messed up dysfunctional family you came from, excuse me. He chose it all except ours, right? No. He, he chose it all to make you who you are. Don't blame God when you're his masterpiece, when you're his poema. You're the divine poetry, and it's a comedy, not a tragedy. And you may be at a, a place in the drama where it's, you know, the music is getting a little intense, and the life's getting intense, and how are we going to get out of this? That's where you are right now, but don't worry. The last chapter's not written. And the sweet ending of happy ever after in the mountains of spice, that sweet ending is on the way. But between now and then, your heart must stay encouraged, flooded with light that God has chosen you. Man, I'm looking at some of you. I, I prophesy over every single one of you here. I don't think I will, but I could. Because you're, you're divinely chosen by God, uniquely crafted, your delicate inside and your intricate outside. God has crafted you, made you in the womb. He showed off when he made Candace. You know, he made Adam, he made Eve, and Adam said, wow. And God said, yeah, I think I could do better than that. And then he made Candace. She's an upgraded version. Sorry. 47 men committed suicide on when I took her. I'm so blessed. Don't get me started on that. So here's the seven reasons why he called you. Number one, he wanted you. He wanted a friend, partner. The God who needs nothing needed you. He longed for you. He wanted someone to share himself with. You're the container of the Christ. You carry like Mary. You're the one that he's picked to reveal him into your world. He chose you because he wanted you. I love Romans 1 verse 6. It says, you are among the chosen ones who received the call to belong to Jesus. Your calling is just to belong to him. I belong to him and he belongs to me. I am my beloved's and he is mine. That is the purpose of your life. You've been chosen by God because he wanted you. How does it feel to be wanted? Secondly, he chose you because he loves you. It's an intense, fiery love that endured the cross for you. You're the joy that was set before him. Huh, that caused the pain and agony of the cross 
to be diluted when he saw your face in Gethsemane. You're that joy, knowing that you would be his, not for a day, but for eternity, that you would be forever his. He chose you because he loves you. You are the treasure hidden in the field. You are the treasure hidden in the field. Jesus taught two, a duet of parables. One is the pearl of great price. The other is the treasure in the field. Some of you have not understood this. But you're the one that he found. He bought the entire field to have the treasure that was hidden there. You're that hidden treasure. The field is the world. He paid the price of the sins of the whole world to get you. The treasure hidden in the field. You are the pearl of great price. He's the divine merchant. He looked and searched for this pearl. When he found the pearl, he exchanged all that he had. He left heaven. He gave that, you know, the kenosis. He, he emptied himself. Eternity will reveal what he emptied himself of. And he purchased you. A pearl that comes from the pain of an oyster. And from the wounded sight of Christ, a pearl came forth, and it's you, sweetheart. You, my friend, you're the pearl of great price. He loved you. He chose you before time began, set his love on you. Third reason he chose you is to show you hope. He wanted to unveil hope to you. Hope is, I feel this theme in the, in the room here today. That God wants you to be the most hope-filled person to walk the earth. In the most clumsy, awkward situation when everything's going south and it looks horrible and, and you don't know what to do, that you would be the one that rises up with hope and an answer to the dilemma of the human pain. That you would be the most hope-filled person in any room you walk into. That you would exude it. That you're going to finish this with joy. You're going to make it through your trauma. You are going to rise up and get back into the game and score some points. You really are. So move your false finish line. Uh, you got a long ways to go yet. There's many more, many more things you're going to accomplish. You're going to live a lot longer than you think you are. You're going to see more than you ever thought you would see. You're going to enjoy your life in measures you never thought you would. Why? Because hope has brightened your eyes. You, you are a prisoner of hope. We are captive by hope. I mean, I, I'm held captive by hope. I, I can't get out. I just, I'm so hopeful. I'm hopeful for my family. I'm hopeful for your financial mess. I'm hopeful for that health issue that hasn't yet been resolved. I'm hopeful you are going to get married. <laughs> it will happen. And I'm hopeful you're going to stay married. I had so many singles coming to our church getting married. I mean, weddings are us. I had to hire a full-time pastor just to do weddings. I had so many weddings. And they, oh, Pastor Brian, we want you to do the wedding. I said, oh, that's like, there's only 52 weekends, and I'm booked for so many weddings. So I hired a, a guy 10 times nicer than me. You do the weddings. And he's like the wedding guy. Oh, he says, 
gave, oh man, he's just perfect wedding guy. And the word got out, and I'd have pastors all mad calling me. They said, we don't have any single adults. They're all over at your church. What are you doing? I said, getting them married? <laughs> Twice a year, I'd have all the singles. You know, I'm going to do it right now. Okay, single adults, stand up right now in Jesus' name. Come on. If you're under 100 and you're single, you stand up. God's got somebody for you. I had couples meet each other when I did this, except I had them come down front. I won't do that for you. Keep standing. But I'd have them all come down front. Guess what? They'd end up next. I had a couple get married. It was like Lady and the Tramp and the little spaghetti thing. And they saw each other and boom, it happened. I did their wedding. I did that one. Mm. So I have hope for you singles in Jesus' name by the power of the ascended Christ. It is not good, bro, that you be alone. So you get it right. Shred your list. I had couples coming. Well, I have this girl would come and say, I had this list of my husband. I said, let me see it, sweetheart. I said, Moses wouldn't fulfill any of these. I said, let's tear that list up and you just say, God, you choose them. So you tear up your list. Well, he's got to be this. He's got no. He's got to be breathing. <laughs> and if he loves you, he's the one. And same thing with you bros. You know, well, she's going to have to like, no, she don't have to do nothing. You got to love her. You got to win her. I don't know how I got off on all this. <laughs> Lift your hands to heaven like rapture practice, even if there isn't one. <laughs> Pretend, all right? Humor me. <laughs> all right, Father, you see these beautiful single people. Next time I get back into this church, I want 75% of them married. <laughs> Jesus. 75% until John and Tiffany have so many weddings, they have to hire Jonathan to come up and Bill to come up and start doing weddings for them. Do it, Lord. Bring them forth, even from another state. In Jesus' name, everybody standing up say, I receive it. All right, it shall be done. Shall be done. He's coming. She is on her way. Woo-hoo! Yeah, I, I remember a Song of Songs conference we did at our church. And they, they kind of had people coming, you know, wondering what Song of Songs teaching I was going to do. And, and, and there was a row where uh, we had kind of a shorter row over here. And, and the gal was on one end and he was on the other end. And they locked eyes and they ended up getting married. I'm telling you, hang out with me. You're going to get married. We got the wedding anointing, don't we, Candace? Yeah. Okay, hope, there's always hope. There's hope, my friend. <laughs> Jharmony.com, there's. <laughs> Dab. There's hope. Do not give up. Don't leave, she's here. Oh, you're already married, sorry. What's the hope he's talking about? I got to get rid of, I got to get over this message here. 
get through this message. What hope is he talking about here in Ephesians 1? The hope of his calling. Why did he call you? Oh, that, my friend, you will, you will learn. Why did he call you? What's the hope of his calling? It's that you would be like Christ. The Father loves the, so, loves the Son so much, He's going to fill the earth with people just like Him. The Father loves the Son so much, He will fill earth with people just like Him. That's His hope. That's His dream. That's why you're going through what you're going through. So that you be made more like Christ. Well, God, you're choosing a funny way of doing it. Well, it's, He never makes a mistake. Ask Joseph. I'll tell you who helped Joseph get to his throne. It was the brothers that betrayed him. They helped him get to the throne. At the end of Joseph's life, he said, you may have meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Most powerful scripture in the Bible is when the brothers, when he takes off his headdress, Joseph takes off his robe, and there he is speaking in Hebrew to the 11 bros. And they're all like convinced he's going to kill them for what they did, throwing them in the pit, etc. And Joseph says, come close to me. And he kissed every one of them. Until you can kiss the one that's hurt you. You're not ready for the throne. There's a preparation. There's a hope that God has. And, and I know your journey, your story. Gosh, your story is so important because it's yours. And I know that. And I know your story has had a lot of twists and turns and some painful things in there. But God has planned it for good. He's going to weave it together. It's going to be woven as a beautiful tapestry. And perfection will be seen through you. The hope of his calling that you would be like Christ. Let's get rolling here. Number Whatever. Four. Number four. He chose you that you would be holy. That you would be holy. And holiness is not activity. Holiness is what is an environment you absorb. It's something you literally absorb. If you're in the car with a smoker, you're going to come out smelling like smoke. If I go in a hotel room and they've smoked in there, even the curtains... I, I, I smoke. You can smell it. Why? They've changed the atmosphere. And so when God is near you, there's a holiness that is on you. You literally carry something. Holiness is an atmosphere you absorb. To be holy is to get in front of the burning bush. Bill burning bush. Vander burning bush. Man. To get into that presence. I'm sitting here in the worship. I'm going, you know, you know what will really open up the heavens right now? And I heard the Lord say, uh, here's what would really open up the heavens right now. He said, sing about my name. If you just sing about my name. And then what, what did Tiffany cut loose with? Uh, immediately, I didn't know the lineup. I didn't see what you're going to sing, but you began to sing about the beautiful name, and it opened up the heavens. Something about worship, and I, I guess because I have the microphone, I can be preachy. But 
the, the worshipers and those that put the sets together. The emo stuff is okay, but get to the place of looking at Jesus and adoring him, of adoring Jesus, that it really becomes Jesus plus nothing. And when we fixate our heart and fascinate our heart with him, the presence will sweep into the room and the holiness will, will be upon us as his holy priests. And uh, is this number five? Okay. Number five is that you would be in fellowship with Jesus. To live in fellowship with his son. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9, God is forever faithful. He can be trusted he has invited you to co-share the life of his son. To co-share, to come into fellowship with the life of Jesus. That's your divine calling. Do you love him today? Borrow his life. You can live the borrowed life. Not I, but Christ. Not I, but Christ. I remember seeing an artist they, and it was not, and then it was a man like this. Not I, but it was a man like this. Christ, C. Anyway, it's my imagination. I saw it. <laughs> not I, but Christ. Sixth reason. He chose you to display his glory. That you would display his glory. You know, it's, it's wrong to say that uh, nameless, faceless. That's, that's not really a Bible verse. That's kind of the trend. But God made David's name famous. Joshua. His triumph was heard throughout the whole land. He was the first biker. My church, uh, Aaron and Jill have been there many times. I do that kind of stuff in my church. They start grinding corn. Everybody went like grinding. Anyway, that's okay. Let's finish this up. Bill's going to save the day tonight. It's going to be so good. <laughs> I'm warming it up for you here, bro. <laughs> Let's finish with the seventh reason why God chose you to use you. He chose you to use you. You know, my wife and I, when we were uh, very early 20s, we just got married. And the one prayer we prayed more than anything else was God use us. We'd take our hands, we'd bay on our face, we'd kneel together. And we would say for days and days, we would say, Lord, use us. And then he opened the door for us to go to a tribe of people that never heard the gospel. And they came to the light of Jesus Christ. It was time for us to come home, back to North America. And I'm on the San Blas Islands. You know where that is, sweetheart. And I'm on the shore, and I'm saying... Lord, use us. You, you brought us here 
Now you're taking us back. I don't know what you're going to do with our lives. I'm 38 years old at the time. I said, Lord, use us. Just use us, God. We went to Connecticut. Had a church outside of Yale University, not far from the campus, and saw a move of God come. The renewal of Toronto. Many of you heard of that. It's roared through New Haven, Connecticut. And our church grew and grew and grew. And then God says, turn it over. I said, okay, God, but use me. Use me, Lord. By this time, I'm, I'll tell the truth, 58 at that time. Nine years ago, I said, God, use us. Use us. I, I'm just so humbled, broken. I weep. I cry. And I, I know the day will come when I will finish. And there will be still a prayer on my lips. Lord. Use me, God. I don't know about soccer games, but use me, God. To my dying breath. Am I talking to any boomers here today? To our dying breath. Use me, God. Use me to bless a young man, a young woman, a family. One life. God chose you to make you a blessing. Close your eyes, please, with me right now. You've been chosen because he wants you. He loves you. He wants to give you hope. He chose you to make you holy, to bring you into fellowship with Jesus, to reveal his glory through you, and to use you. There's at least two people in the room today. You've been kind of following at a distance, Jesus. You've, you've not hardened your heart, but you've not given your heart yet. You're, you're following him. Like Jesus had many levels of, he had the intimates that were close, and then he had those that are curious. Maybe you've been one of those curious ones. And you've been following. You're hanging out with people that, that love him. But you personally have yet to receive him into your heart. Today, I'm asking you to slip your hand up and just, I'm not going to embarrass you in any way, but you raise your hand. I want to pray for the two of you. They're going to follow Jesus with all your heart starting today. Yes, I see that one. Yes. At least two. They always come by twos into the ark. Three, okay. Then there's four. Uh, five, yes. I see your hand. Thank you, sir, for making that bold step. Is there one more? I don't want to miss anyone. I think I've seen the five hands. Uh, yes, six. Okay, I see it. 
And those that raised your hand, you could put it down. But I want you to know that Jesus is really calling you into a closer fellowship with him. And he wants you to be his. And today you're going to make that choice fully, completely to follow him. So let's all stand and we're going to pray and I'll hand the microphone over to Pastor John. Isn't that awesome? Five people today. Six. Sorry, six. That's right. Six people today. You're going to see this every week. You're going to see more and more and more. And I, I expect to see every time I minister, and it's happened the last umpteen times, except one, and then they followed me out to the car and said, I, I didn't raise my hand, but I was the one. So I know there's a, evangelism. Ha! Huh. Evangelist has got to be part of our ministry in these last days. So put your hand on your heart and pray this prayer, especially those that raised your hand, but all of us, we're going to join with you because we love you and you're with family now. We're the family of God. We're yours forever and ever. We're going to be one. So let's all pray this together. Lord Jesus, come into my life today. Wash away my sin. I turn away from darkness and I bring my heart to your light. Come into me. Make me clean. Make me yours. I give you all that I am. And I receive you today as my Lord and King, my Savior forever. Amen. Give God some praise here today, would you please? Thank you, Lord.